I know that you guys know a little bit of my background and testimony and stuff, but um, when I was in South Africa, I was really on fire for God. I was surrounded by people who loved Jesus with all their heart and we served him every day. We were at church five to six days a week. We talked about him when we gathered together to play board games. Um, we made Bible jokes. Like that was everything revolved around God all the time. Um, we all basically had some kind of desire to go into full-time ministry. It looked different for each of us, but that's all we wanted. Um, we started ministries by ourselves. We held conferences, we held seminars, we organized concerts. Like we were, everything was Jesus. Um, and I, I knew that the whole world wasn't like that. And um, I came to America and I knew from hearsay that America was not the same. Um, so I had a certain expectation that I wouldn't be finding people like that everywhere. However, all my favorite bands, preachers, churches online were all here. So I was like, well, I'm guessing 80% of the people won't be like that, but I'll find like 20% that are going to be just as, you know, on fire and crazy as I am. Um, and I came here uh, and I didn't find it. And I jumped from church to church and I kept looking and I kept looking and I, I just couldn't find anyone like me. And everywhere that I went, I started to feel ostracized. I started to feel like <clears throat> people were looking at me and thinking I was crazy. And that I'd made up everything I'd ever believed or practiced. Um, that my view of what a Christian should be and should look like was wrong. And for the next three years, I went through a really dim, dark phase in my faith. And I, I started to play with the idea that maybe I was too strict. I had too high expectations of what Christianity and a Christian was. And um, maybe I could, you know, compromise a bit here and there. Maybe I didn't have to be, you know, so intense. <laughs> um, and that kind of started me down a very unhealthy spiral. Um, because I started to compromise on some things. And at surface level, they might not have looked like really bad stuff. Um, but those were things and convictions that God had put in my life for a reason. I didn't just pick them because it was fun, you know. But because I was around people who couldn't understand it. And I just, I say understand because even back home, not everyone shared all my convictions, but... If I had to say God convicted me to do A, B, and C, I had the type of friends who, they believed that I heard that correctly, as long as it wasn't against scripture, and they would support me in it. So they wouldn't try and entice me to do otherwise, or tell me I was being too extreme. They would just say, okay, that's something that God has with Cassandra, and if he wants to reveal that to me, he will do so. 
Um, for some he did, for some he didn't. But here was the opposite. Here I didn't have anyone to encourage me in my convictions. Most of the time if I told people certain things I believed or certain things I did or practiced, it was seen as strange, odd, too much, too conservative, too old-fashioned, um, too charismatic. <laughs> so you can swing the pendulum both ways. Um, that was me. And so I slowly started going down this path and I mean I was still going to church every Sunday. It wouldn't always be the same one because I was still searching, hoping to find something that was similar. But um, slowly because I kept moving away from the things that were important between me and God, my time with Him became less and less and less and even when I wanted to spend time with him I honestly felt too guilty to spend time with him because part of me was like I don't know if he agrees with the life I'm living now or the fact that I'm not the same Cassandra as I was in South Africa and so even if I did spend time with him it was very I would almost say religious in a way I'd read my Bible I would say a prayer, but I would, I would say it and it was amen done. I didn't want to hear back from God because I was too scared what I was going to hear back if I actually had to let him speak. <laughs> so I kind of did that if I even got that far. Most of the time I just felt too guilty to speak to him. Um, and slowly but surely I just became more and more like everyone around me. Um, and I started to feel really dead inside. And I joined Elizabeth's group and I so badly wanted to share with them in that Bible study what my life was like back in South Africa and try to encourage them and show them that there was more but at the same time it was really hard to do so when that wasn't evident in my life anymore. Um, and every time I would tell them stories, it would always be in South Africa, in South Africa, in South Africa, you know. God told me this, God showed me that. And I didn't have anything recent. I didn't have a, I didn't even have a last month, last year. It had up to that point been almost three years. And which just brought more, more guilt because then it's like, how can I instruct or lead or reprimand in some instances other people when this is not evident in my life wouldn't it be so much more of a witness if i could be hearing from god right now and and speaking to them and saying hey i heard this from god for you and had it been accurate which i'm sure it would have been that would have been a greater testimony than me trying to tell them about hey you can hear from god and it's amazing you know but I couldn't because I was so far from him at that point. Um, it was kind of a mix between not wanting to try hearing because I was scared, which was silly, and also um, being scared to spend time with him just because I, 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 the few times I did try to spend time, I couldn't hear anything. And I knew it was because of how I was living. 
like I wasn't gonna have the same intimacy with him as I had back then because I wasn't doing the same amount of stuff I was doing you know it's like if you ignore your spouse for a few months and then one day want to sit down with them and you know have a deep conversation they might be like okay whoa we haven't spoken for some time some things have happened in, in the last few months you know um, you have to you have to repair when you damage and I tried to repair every now and then, but it would kind of never work. And the more that happened, the less time I wanted to spend with God. And it just kept spiraling down. And I eventually got to a point where I realized two things. One, uh, I need to keep searching. Because somewhere there's going to be one person like me somewhere. Like I... The, the Bible always speaks about a remnant. God always leaves a remnant. And so I was like somewhere out there. There has to be this one other person in this city. That sees everything the way I see it. And they relate to God the way I at least used to relate to him. So I just had to keep looking. And at the same time Eric had mentioned as well. That he had been thinking about us looking you know, for a new church. And so we started to look again. Um, and the second thing that I came to realize, and this was, I always knew it, it wasn't like some new revelation, but sometimes, sometimes it just takes hearing it in a certain way at a certain time, and then it just really hits you, and one of the churches we visited, just once, it, we didn't go back, but the sermon really hit me, and it was speaking about uh, Moses, and how he constantly went to the tent every single day to spend with God consistently. And if someone was looking for him, they went to the tent because they knew that's where he would be. He judged people at the tent. Like he was always there. Like that was his thing. He went to meet with God every day. Um, and the pastor convicted us to schedule a time with God and not to compromise on it. And uh, up to that point... I had been already on my own trying to rework on spending time with God. And I got into a good point in reading the Bible again, like setting aside time to read the Word. But my prayer life was still really terrible. Partially because I do think I still felt immense guilt at having lost what I had. But after that, I was like, okay, I really, really have to try. Um, as hard as it might be because in the past it was beautiful i wanted to spend time with god it was lovely it was full of life and he spoke but now i knew if i spent time with him it was going to be dry in the beginning and honestly boring and hard and more of a of a habit than anything else like going to the gym right unless you're one of those people that are always strange to me that love it but for a person like me, going to the gym, like if I ever had to do it, that would be pure, like forcing my will. Like, because I, I have no desire to exercise whatsoever. Um, and so this was the same thing. I just had to decide this was good for me. And even if I enjoyed it or not, if I ever wanted to get back to how things were, I had to start somewhere. Um, and so I did. I scheduled out a time. Um, I put it on my calendar 
and I knew which days I was the most busy, so then I, I rescheduled for that day and put it in a different time, but I, there it was, on the calendar, I had to do it, and that was the start of the journey, and honestly, in the beginning, it was, it was dry, I did it, and I did it consistently, but it was boring a lot of the time, especially the prayer part, like, my Bible study was going okay, like, I was kind of enjoying that again, but the prayer part still was really terrible, um, but I kept doing it consistently as much as possible. Um, and honestly, I don't remember the day it happened. But there came a day where suddenly it wasn't terrible anymore. Um, and it got better. And then there came another day, and I believe it was uh, New Year's Eve, 12 o'clock. Um, my husband and I and our roommate were sitting watching Disney Plus and he has a subscription so we were binging everything. <laughs> uh, and they were wanting to watch something and I did not want to start my year by being on the couch watching TV. And by that I don't mean I wanted to be out partying. I just, I believed how I started this year would determine the rest of it and so I excused myself and I went downstairs with the intention of just just before 12 till just after 12 worshiping God just for a little bit one or two songs then I come back up and watch Disney Plus with everyone else and so I got on the bed I put in my earphones and I put on the worship music and I I said like I can't if I sang first or prayed first, but I kind of just dedicated the year to God. And I said, this is the year where it's all going to change. Where there'll be no more of me going back to this sliding that I'm always doing. Like I have a great relationship with you and then I slide down into the mud again. And then it's better and then I go down again. And I'm like, this is the year. And I declared it. I'm like... Never again will that ever be my story. All of that is now in the past. From this point onwards, it's only up. It'll never be down again. Never that down. Not the down that I leave you, forsake you, ignore you for three years. Because basically I ignored God for three years. Um, <clears throat> I said never again. And I worshipped. And that one song turned into two, turned into three, turned into four. And I started to feel his presence for the first time in I don't know how long. And I stayed on there for long. I didn't... It took me a long time to come back up. I don't know how long I was down there, but it was long. <clears throat> and I just kept being faithful with my time with him. And uh, my prayer was better. Still wasn't amazing. And then I had a conversation with... One of my friends from back in South Africa, who was one of the people in our group who was always on fire for God, and she'd been talking about how, you know, she, for the last how many years, hasn't felt like she's had a deep connection with God, and she's like, she can't get back, you know? And I could relate. <laughs> and she hadn't, like, strayed like I did. But her relationship was like a perpetual wilderness. And 
you know sometimes when someone else asks you for advice and then you give like the best advice ever and then you're like i'm so freaking dumb like why have i not applied this to my own life Actually, Yannick and I were just talking about that, about me getting a job and having the same exact thing. Why didn't I think about doing that? And so I, um, I, I called her and I gave her this long pep talk. And I told her um, that her flesh is lying to her. Her flesh tells her, you don't want to spend time with God. It's boring, you know. Um, praying doesn't do anything. And what do you even say? I mean, how do you even pray for more than five minutes? And, and you don't really mean it. So what's the point of dragging it on? And you always fall asleep when you pray anyway. You know, like everything I could think of. And I was just going on and telling her, your flesh is lying. And the devil is lying to you. Like, he knows that prayer and spending time with God is literally the most amazing, beautiful, deep, life-changing experience a human can have. And so he will do everything to keep you away from it. <clears throat> and I asked her and I said, those moments that you have had with God when you're really in his presence, in those moments, have you ever doubted that there was anything more amazing? She said, no. Um... And I was like, in that moment, if you're like me, you can't imagine how you ever don't want to be in that situation. Like, why am I not spending this time with God every single day? Why am I not doing the three or four hours? This is great. But then the moment you're out of it, your flesh lies to you again. And it's like, it's boring. It takes so long to get in his presence. And so I told her she has to fight her flesh. She has to like out loud. She has to rebuke the enemy and she has to declare truth over the situation. And it's as I'm telling her these things, like they're becoming truth to me as well. And I realized I know that spending time with God is an amazing experience. Like it doesn't have to be dry and boring. Um, and so the next time I spent with God, time I spent with God, I was like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. So like I just... You know, I didn't, I, I didn't sit down. I was like walking around and very aggressive and I was just declaring that, you know, this time with him was going to be amazing and I rebuked my flesh and, and I, I, I told my spirit, spirit of Cassandra, you take over. Don't let the flesh Cassandra tell you otherwise. Like, you know what it's like to be in his presence. You control flesh Cassandra, not the other way around. And then I fought against the devil, did some spiritual warfare, told him he's a liar and that he's not going to ruin my time with God. And that day was a, another massive turning point in my prayer life. Um, and then suddenly my prayers took on new meaning and they weren't boring anymore. And then the next level to my prayer life was I'd been praying to the Lord to help me love the people that came to this group this Bible study. And I, I want, I sit in, you know, I struggle with love. It's not a natural thing that comes to me. Help me to love them so much that I would literally, I would die for them. That whatever problem they have would be as real to me as it's my own problem. And I believe he did that. Like I've never really felt like emotion, love, concern for people who I don't know. Like I, ha if I know you, then it's fine. But 
if we've never met or we're just on a casual hello kind of acquaintance basis, I wouldn't feel that for you. But for every person who came to the group, I felt that. And so, you know, and as I've said in this group before, you know, I take the prayer requests in this group seriously. And so I would bring those to God and suddenly my prayer life exploded from being like maybe a 10, 15 minute thing if I was lucky to two, three, four hours of prayer. And that came from praying for other people more than for myself. And it was so much easier and more natural and more powerful and more fun and more life-giving to pray for others out of a deep love and concern for them. Because when you really are concerned for someone, you pray way more and way deeper than you would for a stranger who gives you a prayer request, right? And I didn't know everyone in this group really well, but I would pray for whatever they asked, but I'd also like bring up things that I just felt about them. And then I would ask God things he felt about them. And that's when I had the best type of prayer. And so slowly, my whole prayer life has kind of exploded into this whole new realm that honestly, I don't know if I've ever been at ever. Um, but the overwhelming fact of all of this and kind of the... Uh, the topic of tonight, we were talking about hindrances to a relationship with God. And so the second hindrance and maybe the biggest hindrance is busyness. And that business can be different. It can be just, I'm too busy doing things, or it can be the type of busy I was that I was too busy doing things in the world that everything else superseded my relationship with him, you know? Um, and it was, it, in the beginning, it was hard to imagine having, trying to find an hour to spend with him a day um, when I was trying to get back to that relationship. Um, now, it's so much easier because it's something I desire. You know, if you really want to come home and play video games, you will find an hour to play video games. You will give up your sleep to play video games. You will wake up early to play video games. You will not eat because you're so into your video game, right? So if you really want to do something, you will find the time for it. And so now it's easier, but there was a time where it had to be a habit. And the message we're going to listen to, I thought was very good um, on teaching how to go from nothing, literally having no good godly habits. And you could apply this to any habit, but we're specifically going to be thinking of it in terms of spending time with God. Um, but how you go from nothing, no time with God, maybe not even wanting to spend time with God, to becoming a person who spends time with God all the time and loves it. Um, so we're going to be listening to that and... Um, I just want to end off by saying nothing else matters except your closet time with God. There are so many things I had prayed and asked God for, for the last three years, even the beginning of my fourth year, like as I was even getting closer to him, praying and saying, please, this, please, that, please give me a small group. Literally for two to three years, I've been asking you for, for a Bible study that I could lead he wasn't answering me. I was asking for a job. He wasn't answering me. 
you know, my marriage with Eric wasn't the greatest it could have been. And it wasn't really significantly improving at that point. And the moment my time with God was fixed, literally in one month, every single thing that I've been praying for, some things for one year, some things for three years, happened all within a month. And it's when I took my focus off of all the things I wanted from God and focused on me and God. How am I going to fix this? Like literally this is the only thing that matters is being with him. And crazy because I told him like this is the most important relationship. Like I have to fix this. Like it's fine if I get to the end of my life and I've never even led a Bible study let alone change the world which is my ultimate goal. But if I can just get to heaven and you can be like our relationship was great. That's what I wanted and you did it. If that's what you want from me God that's fine. Right now, I don't even deserve to lead a Bible study because my relationship with you is so wishy-washy. So I'm going to fix this. And if you ever bless me with the other things, that's great and that's fine. But I have to fix this because this is the most important thing. And I did, did not expect it to happen so quickly or so soon. But it was just amazing how he answered all those things. And I didn't even notice that at the time. It was only a few months later. I looked back and I'm like, huh. All my problems are gone, <laughs> you know, um, and all my desires are starting to, to fall into place. And so I want to encourage you, this is not having dessert with dinner. It's not a nice optional thing you get to do occasionally. This is something you need. And I know in the beginning it can be torturous. Let's be honest, like let's be raw about it. Sometimes it's really terrible. It's boring. It's frustrating. It's exhausting. It is, especially in the beginning. But you can get to a place where it's lovely and wonderful and life-giving and is the only thing that's keeping you going. I'll end with a quote from Martin Luther, the reformer, not Martin Luther King. Um, Martin Luther uh, one time was heard saying, I'm so busy today that if I don't spend three hours with God, I will get nothing done. And that always shocks me. I hope I can get to the point where I can do three hours a day. That would be amazing. But that mindset of totally different to our culture. Our culture says, the more busy I am, I've got to cut out God time. Martin Luther is saying, the more busy I am, the more time I have to spend with God. And then God will work out all the things I have to get done. Alright, let's watch the video.